All right, let's get to the school board. This is important stuff, whether we pay attention typically or not. Uh, we're being joined by another candidate for District 1. This is the only LAUSD board seat that we're doing full interviews with every candidate because it is where a lot of the black children in our uh, area go. And it's the seat that was... Um, held by George McKenna for many, many years. Joining us now, um, he is uh, chief business official in EDD. He's been an educator for 29 years. He started his career as a classroom teacher, educating students in some of L.A.'s most underserved communities. And then he became a state and federal program coordinator, uh, serving school-wide groups of students um, deemed as at risk. He's a principal for 11 years. He says that uh, he's proven himself successful throughout LAUSD and uh, more specifically on Board 1 schools. Um, I am talking about Dr. Dwayne Davis. I will let him go a little deeper into some of the things on his bio because otherwise he won't get to talk. Good morning, Dr. Davis. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you doing? Dr. Davis, you there? Oh, looks like we've... I am. Good oh, morning. Oh, you are. Good morning. Um, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for having all of us. Actually, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, you've been you've been working in uh, in and around the LAUSD for many years um, and you've yeah. seen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've seen effective and ineffective leadership. Why do you think you would be effective as a school board member for District 1? Well, again, I appreciate the question. First and foremost, you know, I, I am the only candidate who has actually done the work of not only working with our schools, but in school districts. Not just one school, but several schools and several school districts repeatedly. And so with my dual background of academics as well as operations, understanding the policies and practices that are necessary that need to be put in place in LAUSD itself, I believe I am the best candidate for that position. Um, as you have said yourself, I started as a teacher, from teacher to principal for 11 years within board district one schools, to assistant superintendent, to deputy superintendent and chief business official responsible for complete fiscal oversight of our school district. And so the background that I have, the experiences that I bring forward, and the requisite skills that are necessary to move our school districts and our students, no one else has the background that I have. How, where are you on the Black Student Achievement Program? I mean, many of our KBLA delegation are, are deeply and gravely concerned about what's happening with Black students in the LAUSD. Yeah, and so when we think about our Black Student Achievement Plan, you know, you got to be historical with this perspective. We've been talking about black student achievement for over 25 years. We could take this back to even normal Lemoyne when we had our AMP program. We have to really make certain that we're going to have the belief systems in place, the high expectations in place, and the accountability. Now, understand this. Accountability is controversial, especially when we talk about schools and school districts. It's a radical idea. However, when we're speaking about our students, we definitely need to make certain that we're putting in place the curriculum as well as the expectations that our students meet our needs, as well as we make certain our adults 
hold our students accountable I mean, we've, and themselves accountable. We've been talking about Black Student Achievement for a long time, but the Black Student Achievement Plan is a specific plan that was fought for by students in LAUSD and, you know, which is meant to provide uh, the supports that black students need and have often not received. And it requires a commitment in terms of funding and a commitment on the part of the district. Is that something that you support? Of course I support it, but I don't want you to believe that that's something new. None of the stuff that you're hearing is new. It's just repaginated, repackaged, and given back to you in a different tone and manner. Again, as, as you just said yourself, we've been talking about this for 25, 30 years. It started back in AMP. And as we move forward and to sell standard English learners to black student achievement, the reality of it is this. Until it has some accountabilities and some consequences behind it, it's going to continue to be a political football that we utilize to um, not move our agenda. Excuse what do you mean by consequences? What do you mean by consequences? Well, think about this. When you have, I'll give you an example. The reason you don't hear anything about our bilingual education program is because of the expectations, accountabilities, and consequences when you do not perform. Those expectations being sanctions from the federal government or the state government around financing and funding, as well as being, excuse me, as well as having some consequences around how schools perform as, um, on the administration and the staffing. Until we get to that point, we're going to continue to have this conversation another 25 years. Mm. Okay, so you're talking about consequences for whether or not it's working. <clears throat> of course, it's probably pretty new. Um, but so when you, we, I'm going to ask you the same question I, I asked the, the candidate who was on um, last hour, which is how do you feel about um, cops on campus, uh, school resource officers, and how we get to, safe campuses and safe passage to and from campuses as well. So I was an administrator on campus as a principal for 11 years. Uh, a good friend of mine was the superintendent of Broward County. I've actually had active shooters on my campuses. And so I'm, I'm in full support of our school police. I do believe that we can do something differently there around the training so that we don't believe that or we don't have our students feel like they're being criminalized. That would be, of course, some of the social-emotional components that need to be put in place, some of the relationship pieces that need to be put in place. But nonetheless, I don't believe that is an option for schools. I think that, especially at our high schools, I think it is a necessary requirement that we take care of our students and our staff by making certain our campuses are safe. When you talk about training, though, I mean, the same training seems to result, uh, always seems to result in different outcomes between black communities and and communities of color and elsewhere. It seems like you can train um, law enforcement till they're blue in the face, but they, so far, we still have uh, the criminalization of black and Latino youth. Well, let's, let's back up and splice the hair a little bit. Law Center School Police is its own entity, and, it's, and it does its own training. Yeah. And so as a board and as a board member and as a school district, we can institute and implement the type of training that we prefer our um, officers to have, as opposed to being a Los Angeles Police Department Association, excuse me, Los Plans the Police Department, where they have their own training. And so with us being the individuals and entities over the training, then yes, we can make certain that the training is put in place that we would like to see our um, officers have 
when they're on campuses there. And of course, we have to make certain that they do that. Um, when you when you talk about um, you know accountability, I know that you've spent time around what it takes to make our students improve academically. Um, and, and I hear a lot of teachers say that we're over testing, we're teaching to tests, um, or some kinds of formulas that actually are you know more theoretical than effective. What do you think we ought to be doing to um, improve the progress of California students academically? So you're speaking about teaching to the test and improving. Well, academics. I mean, what, I'm asking you, what is your platform so our kids can do better um, academically? Forget California. Let's talk L.A. Well, so here's the thing. People always say, what would I do differently? And I'll say this. It's not what we would do differently. It's what we will do. Um, in and of itself, oftentimes our schools and our school districts don't uh, implement curriculum to the fidelity. And when that's the case, and it goes back to accountability, then we go into this cycle of failure. So we, we, our students fail, our schools may fail, we write a plan. We revise the plan, and then we fail again. And then we'll go to a point of, here's some money, write a new plan, and buy some new materials, then we fail again. And then when that doesn't work, then we reorganize and then write another plan. And so this cycle of, of failure is what we actually need to address. And it all begins with a concern that we have accountabilities and, and consequences in place for our schools and school districts. When that's not there, then there's, then there's no end result to this. And we continue to get what we get. Um, Dr. Uh, Dwayne Davis, give me your elevator pitch. Why should I vote for you for, uh, for District 1? Well, because here's the reality. We have to get back to school. We have to get back to making certain we are addressing the mission of schooling, which is to ensure that we prepare our students to graduate so they can go out and be um, productive citizens and earn a livable wage. That way we can make, make, excuse me, best serve our community by ensuring that we are not adding to the cycle of poverty and to crime. And when those two things are, excuse me, and when we do that, those two things decrease exponentially. And so, you know, please do consider myself a candidate, Dwayne Davis, the school board, District 1. And your website? It's drdavisforlausdkids.com. And that's the number four, right? Dr. Davis, the number four, lausdkids.com. That is correct. And if you do decide to spell F-O-R, it'll take you there as well. I bought both. Oh, that was smart. (laughs) Dr. Dwayne Davis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a good day. And you as well. As you can see, we have a robust set of options for LAUSD um, school board member, District 1, which covers South LA and and beyond. It's um, mostly black field. There's one candidate who's not black. So you are going to have to really consider this, put on your thinking cap, and get serious about figuring out who will best serve our children I find the conversations to be quite instructive, and if you have the opportunity, I would uh, I would urge you to go to um, kbla1580.com and do some listening for yourself. This is um, this is you know to me these are talk about unsung. These are unsung racists, um, and as I keep saying, we. We are not paying enough ten- attention. The conservatives are paying attention. 
the school that is why school boards have become battlegrounds what books are going to be available what programs are going to be embraced who is safe on a campus and who is not will uh, how will we keep our children safe um, as dr davis just said uh, what is the accountability uh, measures that what are the accountability measures that are going to be put in place all of these things are key and keeping our children safe is yes it means keeping them safe from active shooters um, something we see less of in you know in our city schools although you can get you know get shoot shot on the way to and from school uh, active shooters less common on our campuses it means keeping them safe from um, law enforcement when they encroach it means keeping them safe from uh, other threats, right? And keeping them engaged so that they can graduate, so that they can, keeping them safe from hunger. Uh, I think the LAUSD has done a, actually a really good job at that. If you look at how we, how we navigated the lockdown phase of COVID, where LAUSD continued to serve those children food, even if it was grab and go, so that our children could continue to eat, continue to have the um, access to some kind of tablet or computer to be able to join, but we're still dealing with the impacts of this. So we have a dual kind of storm going on around education. Well, it's probably more than dual, but I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking of the conservative activism which is geared toward removing black studies, making campuses unsafe for LGBTQ plus students, especially trans students. Um, it's geared towards um, limiting what teachers can teach and what they can say, um, which can impact everything from LGBTQ conversations to black studies to um, sex education, right? And then, and, and what books are available in the library. The other um, storm that we are in the midst of is bouncing back from the lockdown emergency phase of the pandemic. And I am here to keep telling you, we are not there yet. I feel like we don't want to wear our masks. And I'm saying we, because I don't want to wear the doggone thing either. But I don't want to get COVID, but I don't want to wear a mask. So we kind of go into this de denial thing or... We just pretend there is no more COVID. And that's not just us individuals. The country is doing it. Um, and, and I get it because now when you get COVID, you're probably not going to die, right? There's medications, there's vaccines. They know how to treat it. The science has caught up because science is a, is a process of discovery, so when people say, oh, first they told us six feet, then they told us eight feet. Well, that's because scientists are studying the problem. And as they study the problem, they get answers. And then they give us those answers. And we respond with our behavior and our solutions, hopefully. That said, w this denial is, is a problem for our children. Our children have not caught up socially and emotionally. All of those children, you know, and I'm the mama of one who basically had their entire high school experience stolen by the lockdown phase of the pandemic. You don't get to go to prom. You don't get to hang out with other kids. And the number of fails, flunk, flunk, flunk. Remember flunk when you were in school? Flunk is not good. F, 
fails skyrocketed during lockdown. Many school board candidates that we've talked to have mentioned that, yeah, our children were already struggling. There was already an achievement gap, particularly with black children and others. And it's not because we're stupid. It has to do with discrimination. It has to do with resources. It has to do with methodology. And so, um, yeah, but that's not an excuse either. That's not an excuse to not do what we said we were going to do to help these children bounce back. And I am arguing right now on this radio station, we haven't done it. We haven't done it. It's mostly been lip service. Oh, they need more counseling. They need academic support. We're going to give them chances. For the most part, that's just talk. For the most part, that is just talk. And yes, um, for a couple of years, many schools backed off of the um, standardized testing for college admissions. But to Dr. Davis's point, some of it has to do with what they learn and what they get out of it, not just you know, whether or not they can get into the school. Are they prepared once they get there? Can they thrive and survive when they're there? Yale has just um, reinstated their, um, their standardized test requirement for all students, uh, starting with the class of 2024. It's the second Ivy League school to say, nope, we're going back to requiring SAT and ACT. Um, and it's interesting because we said that those tests were racially biased and now they're saying that it might have ended up um, hurting low-income students, hurting students who are traditionally locked out of these schools because some of these folks, these kids didn't submit their scores even though they were higher um, and they ended up getting caught in the worst of both worlds. So far, um, that's the minority, but that's not the point. The point is that all of these things that we said we were doing for these kids, I don't see them. Oh, you get an extra couple days of instruction to catch you up academically? I'm not against it. It's fine, but it doesn't address the deep-rooted impacts, the social-emotional, academic, and, you know, all of the other harms, the trauma, right, that we don't see and that we minimize. And it's, it doesn't even make any sense that we do it because we as adults are still not 100% back. Most of us, if you think about it, you've changed certain behaviors, whether it's the way you sanitize your hands, whether the way you decide whether to go to a place, you've changed your behaviors possibly permanently because of COVID-19. Now imagine what a little kid that doesn't have the resilience, the experience, the toughness, and the world knowledge to understand these scary things. Imagine how it impacts them. And ask yourself if we've really addressed it. And I think if you're being honest, the answer is no. And once again, this is why I believe school board is an important, important battleground in this current election season. News, traffic, and sports. Then we'll be hearing from a candidate for Council District 10. We are your election information station, KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward.